In this episode of Upper Calling, we talk about the leadership of elders. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Saturday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. I hope you're having a good day as well. Not bad. Not bad. I'm... Uh, uh, on Thursdays, and we're recording on a Thursday, I stay home because I don't teach, but I stay home, sequester myself in a room, and grade. And so I have been grading 80 papers, and uh, I'm about about three quarters of the way through. All right, so be I'm tru- be truthful. What are, you, what are you binge watching on Netflix while you grade papers? <laughs> I wish I was watching on something on Netflix. I already had my break this week. My break was, was Labor Day. And and we went to Universal and Good. we had a ball. Good. So we we enjoyed that quite a bit. You were a little cagey last time, Josh, and now we see why you were cagey. Um, we're talking about getting more elders. It has been the worst kept secret at the congregation that we're looking for new elders. We have talked about this several times. Uh, I'm one of the deacons. We talked about it in the deacons meeting. We talked about it. Uh, just among people. And and this is, again, one of those things that we've kind of seen coming. For people who are not familiar with what elders are and, and, and what they do, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what function they have and why do we need them at all? Elders are not a New Testament phenomenon, um, and, and we won't go through all the various passages, they they seem to have developed though somewhat organically in the Old Testament. You know, you mm-hmm. had your designated leaders by God, Moses being the first leader of national Israel, and then uh, Joshua who followed up after him, and then of course there's a a series of judges that God chooses to to rescue the people to, to you know to to judge them. Mm-hmm. But you read about elders and and you read about elders in the gate elders sitting in the gate and the idea is and this this is included in the law you know you were, you might bring certain cases to the elders even though the law did not specify who was it it was just kind of the things that the community understood who were the wise experienced leaders of the community they were the elders they sat in the gate because that's where people would gather uh mm-hmm. you know they could they could interact with people that way um, and so you have that. And so that's a strand that kind of gets woven into this New Testament idea. The other strand, of course, is shepherd. Uh, shepherds certainly are are well known in the Old Testament. David, who would mm-hmm. be in some ways the best king of Israel, began as a shepherd. And he, uh, you know, pins this wonderful psalm in Psalm 23 of the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus comes on the scene and now he is the shepherd because God promised that he was going to get rid of the bad shepherds of Israel and bring in himself as shepherd and ruling over his people. And Mm -hmm. and so you kind of have those two strands and there's, you know, the third strand of kind of overseer, more of a, um, uh, you know, one who's, looking over a, uh, we don't want to use any kind of business terminology, but you could use that kind of a terminology in a business, someone who's over something. So these strands right. are woven in, 
And <clears throat> when you come to the New Testament and, and Steve in the statement that he made uh, on Sunday and even in the, I think it was emailed out as well, talks about how very quickly after uh, churches were established, elders were appointed. And mm-hmm. then you had these passages like Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, where, okay, here is uh, a need for elders or shepherds in those congregations, and here are the yeah. characteristics of those men who can effectively lead. So what this is, is a, is a leadership position, but it's not a leadership position strictly in the ways that our society thinks of leadership. Uh, I think um, you and I have probably both gone through Max Dawson's material on uh, mm-hmm. on on kingdom leaders, um, and I think one of the things that he says, and that's you know really stuck with me, is a lot of times leadership is done from the standpoint of a cowboy, and your you know cowboy rides in the back. You know, and even, you know, you and as I as fathers, we think we find ourselves doing that sometimes. You're in the back, you're cracking the whip, say, okay, let's go this way. Right. That's not what a shepherd does. A shepherd leads from the front. Uh, a shepherd is guiding by living the the Christian walk and inviting others to follow behind. And, and so it is a leadership position, but it's not a leadership based on power it's not a leadership position that should inflate pride and ego. It is a leadership position of service and of inviting right. people to follow you as you're following Christ. Yeah, I heard somebody talk about uh, that good leadership has to have both elements of Mr. Rogers and John Wayne. So, I mean, th- th- there are times to, to get up. You need to get up. You need to get going. And 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 lay down the law, and then there are times that you need to be the person who is supporting and 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 helping and helping people. So, and and to that point, that's that's both of those concepts are found in John ten. Yeah, you know, here is Jesus, the good shepherd, and he is caring for the flock, right? But he's also giving his life for the flock, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so there is yes, this this loving care, but there's also this. I will rise up in protection of my people and do whatever is needed. Right, right. You said that some of the ways that we chose as elders in the past may not be scriptural. Now, I think you're putting words in my mouth here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Specifically, we may not know some guys who, who may serve well. In other words, in a congregation as large as what we've got, uh, it's very likely that we don't know everybody that's there. And some of the guys that actually might be qualified and might do the job very well uh, might just not be in your circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't it seem like it, it's common sense, though, Josh, that we should know the guy that we ask to service? I mean, what's wrong with that idea? There's nothing. And that's why I say I, w- I did not mean to imply that how we've done things in the past is unscriptural. I, I don't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. However, does being biblical demand that we do the, you know this process in the same way that that we've done in the past and you know I tried my best to kind of you know demonstrate at the beginning just you know kind of the change in the congregation you know Tampa you know there's always been a, a transitory nature of people coming in and out particularly with young and college students but you know in in some ways I think the congregation at university had been somewhat 
stable as far as membership for, you know, a little while. And so mm-hmm. when you went to appoint leaders in the past or to find those men who would be shepherds, yeah, you you would have anticipated that a lot of the congregation would know these people. Well, we've had seismic upheaval in a good way in our, in our membership in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, there's yeah. just been a lot of people move in. There's been a lot of conversions. So there's a lot of new people. And you cannot, if the Bible demanded, okay, you know, for someone to serve as a shepherd, he needs to have the support of the majority of the congregation or uh, to be identified by the majority of the congregation as being able to to fill that role, then we would do that. But that's not what the scriptures do. They, they mm-hmm. do not make that a mandate. So it's not a biblical thing to say, okay, for a person to serve, all the congregation has to know him. Now, would that be ideal? Well, sure. But, and we, we won't get into uh, PowerPoint illustrations and the the doomed <laughs> nature of PowerPoint illustrations, but that's what I was trying to accomplish. If, if you think of the body of Christ as that, and we're all members of the body. Right. Elders are also members of the body. Yeah. They're not the neck. They're, they're part of the body. Mm-hmm. And so using the, the body metaphor, if, if I'm, you know, in the leg, well, there may be an elder who's a kneecap and there may be an elder who's a shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. Which one am I going to know better? I'm going to know the kneecap. Right. We won't get into which which of our elders is that. It's John Sheehan, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> there are there's just going to be people that that I know, and so I think this is actually if you look at it, it's a very healthy way of doing it. Yes, would it be great if all the shepherds knew all the all the congregation? Sure. But what we're looking for, and the reason why we're trying to increase the number of shepherds is we want shepherds that know the congregation. And that means every person in the congregation has a relationship with a shepherd, maybe multiple right. shepherds. Yeah. But that way there is this oversight of the eldership in general, but the right. shepherds are individually looking after different parts of the flock. Yeah, you also talked about how how long they've been there may or may not be a good indicator to how well they would serve either. Um and that's that's a, a perfectly again um what what is what is Paul's instruction to Timothy or Titus about how long somebody has to be at a congregation before you right. consider them. Yeah. And, and and Paul is amazingly silent on that. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because I, I think the term I use, there's no service time uh, qualification. Na- right. That will come out naturally. If a man is too new, then, you know, there's just not going to be really much of a segment of the congregation that's going to look at him and have experienced, you know, care from that person. Mm-hmm. But if he's been in the group for a little while, I'm not going to give you know months or, or years how long that is, but a segment of the congregation has experienced a shepherd's care from this person, and this person has embodied the characteristics of a shepherd, then they are naturally going to put him forward as, we believe this man is a mm-hmm. shepherd. Okay. The rest of the congregation may not have experienced that, and that's when you have to look and say, okay, well, 
is there anything that I know that would you know disqualify this man? Is he in some way not above reproach? In that case, no, well, he's he's being a shepherd, and so he's going to be recognized as a shepherd of the flock. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, let me ask you this, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to have you I'm have you answer this. What do you think qualifies someone to be a good elder versus just being a good Christian? I mean, you think about some of the most important Christians out there, including Christ himself. He wouldn't have qualified to be an elder. Well, he's the um, good shepherd, so I mean, that, <laughs> I, I, he's the chief shepherd, too. That's so right. We'll, we'll, we'll remove him from the equation. But Paul would not right. have. So, I mean, there, there are lots of names that, that we would think should be on a, on a short list for good elders, but they just wouldn't qualify, Josh. Yeah, uh, I, I guess there's a, a few different ways, you know, and maybe the reason why, you know, even the term elder denotes older man. Now, granted, what does that mean? You know, in our society, older man, you know, probably we think, okay, someone in their 70s or 60s maybe now is an older man. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're in a in a culture where, you know, lifespans may have been in the 60s, I don't know that older man necessarily, you know, you have to be in your 50s or 60s to, to qualify that as, a, as an elder, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But we're looking for someone who's experienced. And in fact, the, the qualifications even detail someone who's not a novice in the faith. Right. And a lot of us uh, that are striving to be good Christians, a lot of our focus is somewhat of an internal focus. We're trying to get our character how it should be. We're trying to follow Christ, you know, and, and become the person that he wants us to be. That certainly involves helping others and serving others. But someone who's, you know, grown to the point in their maturity and that they've now embodied these characteristics, well, they are now in their lives focusing on not themselves necessarily, but they're focusing on other people. Yeah. And, and I think that's what, um, you know, would, would distinguish, you know, someone who makes a good elder as opposed to a good Christian, a good elder. Yeah. He, he is certainly mindful of his character and he's mindful of, of what he's doing in his Christian walk, but he's spending so much of his time, in looking after and, and guiding the flock. Now, now Paul did that. You know, Paul, you know, loved the congregations that that you know he served at. Uh, but you know, Paul also he had 10, 12 congregations on his mind uh, that he was concerned with the teaching and and the practices of, uh, as opposed to you know really being honed in and focused on one work. Now there's the family requirements that would do to our knowledge, Paul would not have had, but you know, Paul as an apostle had, you know, something else, something different that he was focused on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Let me ask you this. If we got new elders, if we got more elders, what changes you think? Well, Maybe we get a second co-host in this in this thing. <laughs> a third. <laughs> okay, that's that's you know that's a good question. I don't I don't know that you would necessarily experience like oh there's this huge change at university. Mm-hmm. What we're looking at is you know there is this tremendous task of four men trying to look after the souls of. 450 people. And yeah. 
the fact is there are just things that will slip through the cracks when you when you've got that kind of work ratio. You know, you you'll you will have members who are struggling with, you know, things in their lives or, you know, some kind of toil in their life that not that the elders don't want to help and they don't care. They do, but how can four possibly know all that's going on in the congregation and adequately, you know, provide for them? So that's the big thing. And it's not going to like a huge program that's going to come out or we're going to change our work. No, I, I think we're we're going to continue on as we are. But the goal is now we have more people, more men who are looking after the well-being of God's flock at university, and they'll be able to more quickly assess issues, needs, and help in those ways. Yeah. Uh, as a guy who has worked at universities my entire life, I know what an understaffed university looks like. In other words, I know when we've cut too many people and that there are positions that actually need to be restored. I think that's where we are at University Church is we've got a lot of work to do and we're understaffed. And I think will it will the will the vision change? I don't know about that, but I think the workload will change. And I hope four guys get a little bit of a break. Uh, the other thing that I w- that I would hope would happen would would be, I don't know that 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 maybe we we start trying some new things. But again, when you are so understaffed, it's often difficult to try new things because the staff that's there is focused on basically keeping everything afloat. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, I do. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to plan, you know, things that would help in your growth, you know, and we're not just talking about here numerically, but, you know, the growth of the congregation when, you know, the people you have are, are, are maxed out in what they're capable of doing. And, you know, for those who are listening to this, you know, certainly understand. And I think, I think at university, we've made great strides in this, that the, the deacons truly are, you know, doing their, their jobs and, and they have taken off, a tremendous load from, from the elders in that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as, as other groups that I've, I've even been a part of where, okay, everything really was a top down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's not what we want at university. We want people to, to be active and engaged and take ownership on their works. And, and that's going on. Yeah. 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 All right. Let me ask you, well, what, what would the selection process looks like? I mean, do we know how long this is going to take? Do we know how we how we find out? Yeah, so we're not we're not rushing. Um, the hope is by late October, early November, we'll be through the process and new shepherds, elders will be appointed. Uh, I'm going to preach one more lesson, uh, and this one will focus a little bit more on the qualifications mm-hmm. as found in First Timothy three and Titus one, but. Not really doing a, you know, let's go one by one and look at what these qualifications mean. More of a, okay, we've had these qualifications. Many of us have read them before. How do we kind of get maybe a little less than biblical in how we think about those qualifications and uh, unreasonable expectations for those who could serve as as shepherds? That's what we're going to do. 
And then Lord willing, uh, I think it's September 24th is the, the date that's uh, planned right now is when uh, the elders will ask uh, the congregation to begin, you know, putting out names to them. Like, who do you view as a qualified shepherd? Mm-hmm. And the elders will review that. Uh, there's not going to be a, a hard and fast, oh, well, let's look for, you know, this percentage of the congregation responded with with this, you know, name. No, I don't think we can do that. We're looking for who is it that's demonstrated in different segments of the congregation the ability to to lead and are they qualified? Right. And then when that is done, uh, you know, those those names will be put forward to the congregation and a, an allotted amount of time will be given that if there's uh, some question or, uh, you know, even an objection that, you know, those could be taken to the man directly and, you know, mm-hmm. those addressed and we'll see where we land after that. So, uh, you know, about two months and, and Lord willing, um, we'll have we'll have more shepherds. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, let me ask you, where's the scriptural support for this process, Josh? Well, as you and I were were commenting on at the beginning of this, I mean, if we wanted to go straight scriptural, y'all just let me select them. Because (laughs) Paul said to Titus, set in order what is lacking, you know, appoint appoint new elders. Well, I'm not Titus. Um, You're you're not (laughs) Paul. (laughs) <laughs> um, where, where we go to for this, uh, and, and you can look at it a couple of different things. So, you know, if shepherds are supposed to shepherd the flock of God that's among them. You know, look at first Peter five for that principle. Uh, there's a need that there is a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Mm-hmm. Acts six is our best, uh, passage that would give us an idea of how this is done. And that's not for the selection of elders per se, maybe maybe deacons, but where it's put out to the congregation, okay, look out among yourselves. We need men who can be in charge of this task. You, the congregation, who do you think can do that? And so that's what we're trying to do here. Um, there's not a there's not a strict you know, scriptural format that you need to do this by, but we're trying to assess in the best way that we can. Here is whom the congregation has said, we believe. And so they, we all will search among ourselves and do that. Sounds good. So I already know the answer to this question, which is, what are you going to be talking about next time? <laughs> next time, you're right, but it won't be this Sunday. I'll be, I'll be away in a meeting this Sunday. So Lord willing... Okay. Um, and we may have actually a, a, a few things to talk about because on the 17th of this month, I will give that sermon in the morning. Okay. And then we're going to have a Q&A with our existing elders that evening at, uh, okay. at university. So uh, we might have a, a few things to talk about there. That sounds good. Well, I look forward to talking to you about that next time. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.